Well, Pope Francis shocked many people when he came out and he said, quote, NATO barking at Russia's gate may have compelled Putin to unleash the, this statement. And today we're going to talk about in the podcast, what is the worldview and what are the goals of Pope Francis with regard to ecumenism, because you have the Russian Orthodox Church, the biggest Orthodox jurisdiction outside the Catholic Church. And you also have a globalist element here. You have connections with Biden and the Ukraine and Zelensky, and there's a lot of moving pieces. So today we're going to look at Pope Francis's role or what he thinks his role is in this debate, conversation, aggression. Now, I asked uh, in the poll before we went live, should Francis involve himself in the Ukraine-Russian conflict? And a small majority of you, I mean, a majority just above 5% said, yes, he should involve himself. I personally think that Francis should not involve himself. Uh, maybe we'll get to that in later in the show. Um, but before we get started, we will uh, we'll pray in our Father for peace on earth, and we'll do it in Latin. Oremus nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, et venit regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So people were quite surprised when Francis came out and referred to the barking of NATO at Russia's gate. Think about that phrase for a minute. It's right up here in the top right corner. NATO barking at Russia's gate. So by Francis setting that up, he's, well, first off, let's just look at Russia's gate. This makes it look like a defensive military maneuver. There's Russia's gate, and then NATO comes like a dog, ruff, 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 barking at the gate of Russia, and, you know, Russia's got to take care of that dog, NATO. Now, if you've watched my podcast, you know I'm no fan of NATO, and one of the big problems that we have in our world right now is we have supranational organizations that are governing independent nations. I'm talking about the UN. I'm talking about the EU. I'm talking about NATO. Who voted for these people? Who appointed these people? Where does their authority come from? And yet they make major decisions on the lives of other nations. Not good. NATO, in my opinion, is a problem on earth. And I'm not going to get into... Ukraine and NATO and my thoughts on that, because I don't have any developed thoughts on it. Um, but Francis seems to have some thoughts. Now, in order to understand Francis's perspective, because that's our goal today, we need to wind back a little bit to March 25th and the consecration of Russia and Ukraine. And as I read the words, actually, I should read some of the words of Francis here. I get the impression that Pope Francis believes that he is called or he is anointed or appointed to be 
the mediator of peace. That's what I'm getting from Francis. I don't know if he was told to do that or if it's just something that he came up with on his own. Uh, I'm going to read some uh, something from the Wall Street Journal here. It says, Pope Francis said that the, quote, barking of NATO at the door of Russia might have led to the invasion of Ukraine and that he didn't know whether other countries should supply Ukraine with more arms. The Pope at the same time deplored the brutality of the war and criticized the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church for defending the invasion in religious terms, warning that Patriarch Kirill of Moscow, quote, cannot turn himself into Putin's altar boy. Now, my concern is that Pope Francis has become the altar boy of the EU and the UN. Davos, globalism, and the altar boy of a certain pharmaceutical company that begins with PF and that promotion, that moral promotion that Francis made to the whole world. The Wall Street Journal goes on to say, Pope Francis made his remarks in an interview with Italian daily Corriere della Sera. He described Russia's attitude to Ukraine as, quote, an anger that I do not know whether it was provoked, but was perhaps facilitated by the presence in nearby countries of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. That's NATO. Meanwhile, Patriarch Kirill of Moscow, and just so you know, the Patriarch of Moscow is the leader. He's the head bishop, the Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. They don't believe that he's a pope, uh, but he is the first amongst equal in Russia. He said at the Kremlin's Cathedral, the Archangel, falsely claiming that Russia never attacked another country. That's the Russian perspective. It's amazing that a great and powerful country never attacked anyone, the patriarch added. It only defended its borders. Now, hearing Francis talk about NATO barking at the gate or the door of Russia, and then seeing or hearing here what Patriarch Kirill said, it's interesting because Francis and Patriarch Kirill had a Zoom call. I don't know if it was Zoom per se, but it was a streaming call back in March. And Patriarch Carol basically put forth his case to Pope Francis on why this was happening. And I think this is one reason why Francis, in March, consecrated, really kind of in a surprise moment, none of us were expecting this, consecrated Russia and the Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary he says, in fulfillment of the request of Our Lady of Fatima from 1917. I've done a few podcasts on that. I remain a optimistic skeptic on whether that consecration was valid and whether it was what Our Lady of Fatima asked for. That's just me being honest with you. I'm not dogmatic that it was or wasn't, but I'm skeptical. And if you want to know why, I made, I think, two podcasts on that back in the end of March explaining it. The Wall Street Journal goes on to say, Since February, Pope Francis has deplored the suffering of Ukrainians and denounced the invasion, but refrained from explicitly naming Russia as the aggressor, reflecting both a Vatican tradition of neutrality and its own agenda 
of better relations with the Russian Orthodox Church, as well as a reluctance to align the Vatican with U.S. foreign policy. Then Francis says, quote, In Ukraine, it was other states that created the conflict. Pope Francis said in an interview, without identifying the states. But I think Francis, you know, Francis is not a big fan of the United States. I think he's thinking of the United States, but he doesn't want to name it because he has a buddy over here named Joe Biden. And he's very much connected to the success of Joe Biden. Francis also says from the Wall Street Journal, I don't know how to answer, I'm too far away, whether it is right to supply the Ukrainians with weapons. What's clear is that in this land, arms are being tested. Wars are fought for this to test the arms we have made. The journal observes, Ukrainians have criticized the Pope for describing their conflicts with, Ru with Russia as fratricidal. That means the killing of brothers which they have said plays down Moscow's, Moscow's aggression. See, Moscow, Russia, sees Ukraine historically as part of their empire, as part of their people. So fratricide plays along with that. The Ukrainians don't want that. They want to be independent. They don't want to be sort of you know, thought of as historically part of that Russian federation. And then the Wall Street Journal article ends. The Pope said that he was ready to tra travel to Moscow to meet with President Vladimir Putin to appeal for peace, but that the Kremlin hadn't responded to the offer. He said he told the Russian ambassador to the Vatican at the start of the war, please stop, end quote. Okay, <laughs> please stop. That's, I guess, you know, one way to go after it. Um, let me see if I can pull up this article here about the Zoom call. All right. Um, yes, there was a 40-minute video conference in March between Patriarch Carol and Pope Francis. And Francis said, Carol spent half of that March meeting reading off all the justifications for war and said that Carol must not transform himself into Putin's altar boy. So we see here Francis does have some criticism of the Russian patriarch, but I think by consecrating Russia and Ukraine in March, which I'm uncomfortable with, to be honest, because Our Lady didn't say Russia and Ukraine. I know Ukraine was part of the uh, part of Russia at that time, but there were other countries as well that were part of it. So this gets very complicated, I know, but it seems... And this is what I perceive Francis is perceiving of himself. Francis thinks that if he can influence Vladimir Putin, influence the Ukrainians, influence Joe Biden, and consecrate both countries as sort of an objective minister, an objective moral authority, that will do the trick. I think what Francis doesn't understand, and I think most Catholic bishops do not understand, is that they have lost their moral authority. Yes, by office, by being Pope, Cardinal, Bishop. Yes, you have 
the office and the jurisdiction and the claims. But when people hear you talk about moral obligations or what should be done, what they see while you're talking is Cardinal McCarrick, financial Vatican bank scandals, cardinals getting arrested, bishops moving around, predator priests, cover-ups, and a lack of transparency. And I think this is one reason why we, we so quickly, so quickly saw Ireland just flip from being devoutly Catholic to secular because of all the abuse that was there, the financial abuse, the political abuse that's been going on there for a while. People are just done. And I think what we really need, this is just me, Taylor Marshall, talking. My opinion, which means nothing. It's just my opinion. We need a pope. We need cardinals. And we need bishops to recognize the bankrupt the bankruptcy in church authority they don't they have it by their office but when people think who who are the holy men who are the men who speak with god who are the men that can guide us to heaven who are the men who can communicate grace not just through the sacraments, which are ex opere operato, but through their words, through their example. Where are those people? I think the hierarchy needs to say, it's chapter 11 time, we need to invest not in real estate or Elton John Rocketman documentary, which they did, Vatican did, we need to invest, reinvest in holiness, moral courage. And that's probably, if they really did it, if they really did it, it would lead to martyrdom. The powers that be in Europe, North America, the East, China, they wouldn't go for it. You know, for example, Francis just opened up the gate, the barn door for China, for the communists, for the seculars to run the church. I mean, Cardinal Zen was arrested last week by the very people Francis gave authority to run the church de facto in China. I mean, how can we as Catholics look up to the men that we are supposed to call spiritual fathers, overseers, shepherds of souls. The situation we're in is very much like the Renaissance period, where people looked up at the hierarchy, bishops, cardinals, popes, and they didn't see sanctity. By the way, that doesn't make something invalid 
or no good. I mean, just look into the Old Testament. You see not just King David, but also the high priests not doing their job, not leading people to God. In fact, sometimes leading them away from God. God doesn't abandon them right away. He sends them prophets to warn them, to guide them back, to get rid of their idols, to get rid of their sexual immorality, to get the priesthood functioning as it was established by Moses to do in the temple. God tries. God accompanies. But at a certain point, God also sends them into exile. Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. The priesthood stops its ministrations. The lay people become slaves in Babylon. Read the Old Testament. It's beautiful. It's great. It's a warning. But Francis does not stand in a position of moral authority. I think that he thinks he still does. And what we want as Catholic lay people, well, I don't know what you want. What I desire, what I hope for, is that we have a Pope who wants to be a moral authority and is a moral authority. And I think hundreds of millions of us Catholics would line up and support that Pope. And God willing, we would support with our blood, with our finances, with our time, with our family, with everything we have to fight the good fight. But when people see cardinals being tried at the Vatican, the rules changing and bending as Francis has done, and then, you know, Francis is just week after week after week flogging the dead horse of rigid traditional Catholics. We are your, we are hopefully your loyal troopers. But why are you flogging those who want to go back to the past, those who are rigid, those who want to fossilize the church, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, even last week, and I'll, I'll probably do a show on it, he talked about, you know, how people complained even in the 60s and in the 50s over liturgical changes. Yes, of course they did. You're, you're changing the faith. You're changing the worship. Lex orandi, lex credendi. So I appreciate everyone in the poll. I put the poll away. But most of you said that you think Francis should get involved with Russia and Ukraine. I don't think he should. He doesn't have the moral authority to be involved. I mean, has he been involved in any of the South American countries or North American countries or European countries who during his pontificate have had major movements, legalizations, news stories? We have one right now in the United States about the reversal, perhaps, of Roe v. Wade. And yet, generally, the majority of bishops are silent. And the Pope remains silent. I know he'll say pro-life things, but does he get involved as a moral authority? 
No. And so if you're not a moral authority there and you're not a moral authority on traditional marriage and you're not a moral authority on protecting and preserving the Catholics, the Christians in China, you can't all just jump in and say, I want to be a moral and a moral authority on this issue and wear a little blue and yellow pen. And no, there needs to be a consistency. All right. That being said, make sure you're praying the rosary every day. Make sure you're reading your Bible every day. I recommend the Dewey Rames English Bible, Catholic Bible. I'm reading through the Bible in a year right now, and I encourage you to do, do the same thing. You can find my plan, uh, how to read the Bible in one year. You can just search my name, Taylor Marshall, Bible in a year. It'll come up. Or you can go to NewStThomas.com. New St. Thomas Institute is where I teach online courses. And you can take online courses in Old Testament, in New Testament at NewStThomas.com. Summer enrollment is currently open and it will be closed in about two weeks. So if you want to join, now is the time. Go to NewStThomas.com. Sign up for that Old Testament, New Testament. Actually, all the courses, there's nine of them. Uh, they're all available to you. Uh, so you get everything. It's a great deal. Check it out, NewStThomas.com. And uh, thanks for everybody who supports the channel at Patreon.com. If you want to support and get some signed books, go to Patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. And we'll close up here for a prayer for the conflict uh, in Ukraine. We'll pray the Hail Mary. Oremus nomini Patris et Fidi, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et mortis nostre. Amen. All right, friends, thanks for watching. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed.